Hello and welcome back to Let's All Laugh At, the football podcast that thrives at someone else's expense. I'm George and I'm once again joined by Dan, Johnny and Alex, three weeks in a row. How are you guys doing? Yeah, not bad, mate, not bad. All good? Yeah, it's all good, my end. Yeah, awesome. So, I guess we'll get straight into it. And I suppose there's really only one place to start with uh, Liverpool-Arsenal, as it's again two of our teams. We seem to be getting a lot of those recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there'll be one next week as well with Chelsea Palace. But for the time being, what did you two make of the game? Well, I mean, first things first, I have no problems with the result itself. I thought we played quite well, to be honest. I thought we was in the game for most of the game. But um, I do. It's hard, it's hard not to feel a little bit aggrieved with some of the decisions on Monday night. Now, I saw you tweeting about that, and I saw you and Dan sort of, well, it might have been Dan, I think, I'm pretty sure it was, and sort of talking about it before. Like, what, what decisions specifically did you take issue with? Well, I mean, the Sadio Mane thing, and let me get something straight. Sadio Mane is one of my favourite football players. I think he's absolutely different class. But I do think he got very lucky. And what annoyed me, because obviously there's no VAR in, in the uh, Carabao Cup, but what annoyed me the most is it, either, either send him off, or don't do anything about it, and because uh, it, it was, it wasn't really an elbow, but it was, it, he did raise his arm, and I thought surely that's the rules, isn't it? If you raise your arm, that's a, that's violent conduct, and I just thought he's a bit lucky, and I think if, if the game had been a bit later on in the game, I think he might have gone. It was just some of the, some of the decisions. I mean, it was a little one with with Abamyang running past Fabinho, and then Fabinho dragged him down, and then 30 seconds later, Bellerin does the same thing, and it's a yellow card to Bellerin, which was very strange. But the third goal. The handball, I mean, normally, I would say that's never handball, but judging by the weekend's actions, what is handball anymore, to be honest? But, um, I mean, as I say, Liverpool deserved it overall. I can't really complain about the result itself, but um, just to feel a, bit, feel a bit aggrieved. Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, I talk about the performance first. Um, Arsenal did OK, and uh, I thought we were pretty dominant, to be honest. I... Arsenal, he's right, Johnny's right, Arsenal stayed in the game in terms of the scoreline for a long period. What they actually offered, I think, was very little. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah the one moment where Lacazette went through um, and hit the ball straight at Allison, obviously. The goal, they took a surprise lead. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. They took the lead out of nothing, really. He hadn't really been in a half at the time. Andy Robertson, whether Jurgen Klopp likes it or not, that was sloppy. And they scored. But straight away, <laughs> we equalised, we were back on top. We, we, we definitely, definitely deserve to win the game. Um, as for the, the moment, uh, Sadio Mane, um, it's not a red card in my opinion. I think Mane predicts Tierney doing a similar thing, like they go for each other sort of thing and try and barge each other off the ball. Yeah, and Mane, his arm goes into Tierney's like shoulder first, and then rises up and catches him in the face, which isn't great. I, you know, uh, there was a moment when Gary Neville made the most of it, and I thought he might be in trouble. But the likes of Arteta, who was very gracious after the game, never mentioned it. Um, lots of different Arsenal pundits and what have you haven't mentioned it, which usually gives you a flavour of what the incident was. Um, and as for the handball, I don't even think it hits his hand. I think the, the camera angle makes it look like it hits his hand. There was yeah, a, a tweet. Yeah. There was a tweet I seen with the camera angle situation whereby you know when people lean on something in the distance, like they're leaning Sarah Pisa, and it looks like he's actually leaning on it. It's one of them sort of things. It, like I don't think it actually <laughs> touches his hand at any point. And even if it does, it's 
the most pathetic handball call. As I say, any other time I'd say it's never handball, but I mean, with the weekends, at, well, yeah. it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what handball is anymore, to be honest, because um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but yeah, that rule's a joke. Mm, yeah, but like I say, to, to summarise, Arsenal did okay in terms of staying in the game, but well, we, we battered them really. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, I don't want, I don't like criticising Arteta in the slightest, but I was a little bit surprised the fact he didn't play Gabriel over holding. That kind of surprised me a little bit because Gabriel's been quite solid since he's you know, since he joined. I know, yeah, uh, Fulham and West Ham, but I, I was quite surprised because he, he's quite a physical presence, and I thought he could probably dealt with with Mane a little bit better. I mean, defensively, we didn't play particularly badly. We created our own problems. What What was the playing out from the back about, like? Of all the teams to do that against, I'd say we were probably the worst in 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 the league. And David Luiz, he's, he's been, I think he's behind Leno sometimes, kicking the ball out. I don't know what he was doing. At but, times, at times you were giving it to Tierney on the corner flag. Yeah, it was it was very bizarre. I mean, there, were, there was a couple of things I probably wouldn't have. I would, I would have started to buy us because I thought, you know, with that through ball to Lacazette, you should have buried it. If he scores that, we're probably not even talking about the Mane incident. To be honest, mm. if he scores that. So Bayer should have started. I would have probably started Saka as well, his pace, Pepe as well. But so I don't want to quit Saka because, um, you know, we, 3-1 was a probably, it was a fair result, I'd say. But I'm not I'm not too upset about about the result. I thought we, we stayed in the game for, for long periods. We didn't offer much, I must admit. But uh, I can't be too upset about it. I mean, if we beat you tomorrow night, I'll be absolutely ecstatic. I'll forget all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear you talk about the game in that sense. You thought that, you know, well, I say dominated by Liverpool, so to speak. I mean, you thought it was a fair result because it was a similar story for the game, ironically, for the game last season where you won 2-0. I suppose, we and we even, I think you even said at the time, on a different night, it could have been, you know, a completely different scoreline. And I suppose that's what it was this time. <laughs> that was a different night that we got. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, obviously a lot of Arsenal fans getting on the Bamiang's back as well, saying he wasn't good. But yeah, no support, to be fair. And, you know, credit to Liverpool's defence because they didn't give him much, anything to, he's seen off scrap. So... As I say, I mean, I've seen us play a lot, a lot worse than that and get absolutely battered. And um, we didn't get battered. I mean, Liverpool dominated the game for large periods. But, um, I mean, I, I know stats, you can all talk about stats and stuff, but Liverpool had a lot of chances. But we didn't. I didn't ever feel that Liverpool were peppering our goal. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a, it was an onslaught. It wasn't yeah. an onslaught. It wasn't an onslaught, which I kind of, I thought before the game, thinking we're going to get, get battered here. But, you know, it wasn't, we created our own problems, unfortunately. That was, that was the issue. Um, I thought if we didn't pay out from the bloody back half the time, a lot of the problems wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened. But there you go, it's one of them, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I suppose I actually just noticed that the uh, you guys are actually playing each other in the Cup tomorrow as well. I didn't even know. I didn't even notice that. I didn't even know what the fixtures were. Obviously, I don't follow the Cup when we're not in it, but that's... <laughs> I mean, it's funny, because first Brighton and Man United played at the weekend, which we will get to. Believe me, we will get to that game. And they're playing in the Cup tonight as well. Like, it's the, uh, two of the fixtures that were on at the weekend are now also midweek. It must be, must be an exhausting trip for the players. But yeah, I suppose... I mean, I say we can expect more of the same. Typically, cup games tend to go the other way. But, I mean, Johnny, this is probably about your best chance of a trophy this year, either that or the FA Cup. So, yeah, I mean, how how do you see that one going? Definitely. I think um, I think we'll put a, a very strong team out, I think. Um, as I think Arteta likes the, that winning mentality. Um, I think Liverpool will rest a lot of players. I think we'll see a lot of the, the fringe players. So, it's an opportunity to go to Anfield to get a result, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a cup, and I know the Carabao Cup has kind of been laughed at over the past few years, not for being the Mickey Mouse Cup, but 
end of the day, it's a trophy. And, you know, I, I'd love to win it because I've, I've, since I've been in Arsenal, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen us win the, the League Cup, to be honest. Wenger never won it. So um, it's, it's, that's a trophy, you know. Um, you can only win a certain amount of trophies this season, and uh, you know it's only the FA Cup, the League, or the or the, or the League Cup. So got to go for one of them, don't you? Yeah, I suppose more broadly speaking about the seasons, last last bit with you about Arsenal, Johnny. But as this is, you know, definitely your toughest test so far. You have an easier one with Sheffield United on Sunday. Lost all their games so far, no points and no goals. Mm. You know, I don't want to start. <laughs> getting a bit too as well start getting hopeful but we've seen this pattern before so hopefully it can extend you know for at least five games longer just for my sanity but it probably won't unfortunately you know because I, I suppose it'll be you've got Manchester City straight after that as well after the international break so I suppose that game is going to be you're going to want as convincing a victory as possible to take the pressure off yeah definitely I mean and, and Man City I mean of course they're they're a phenomenal side as well but um I mean judging by their defense against Leicester the other day I I, I don't if we, if, we, if we can just play our football and run at them, then I don't have any fear of Man City. I know they score goals. They've got De Bruyne, but their defence is woeful. They can buy that Bruno Diaz all they want. Their defence is absolutely pony. And I, I, I'm looking forward to playing against them, to be honest, because um, if we can get a Bamiyang and Ceballos running at them, I, don't, I can see quite an easy three points to last them, to be honest. Cool. Ugh, big claim, but I mean, to be fair, after the weekend they've had, it's... It's probably the best time to make it, but, but I mean, your running is tough. After Sheffield United, it's Man City away, Leicester at home, and then Man United away. I mean, ironically, Leicester's probably looking the toughest of those games yeah. so far. You wouldn't have said that at the start of the season, but yeah, so moving on to you, Dan, can you be stopped? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Even though I was obviously optimistic for the start of the season, I wasn't as hopeful as the start we've had, if that makes sense. We've looked a lot better than I thought we would. Given the way we finished last season and the way other teams have strengthened, I thought it might not be as as convincing. But right now, I'd probably say no, we probably can't be, to be honest with you. Especially after the other night, I thought we were outstanding against Arsenal. A, a good Arsenal side who were in a very, as you and Klopp would say, a very good moment. I thought that was a really good performance, as was the week before against Chelsea. And that double signing, because as much as... You know, Liverpool fans say, oh, we don't need to sign anyone. We're already the best, etc. There was definitely a, an element of, oh, everyone's improving. We haven't done anything yet, apart from the left-back. And then all of a sudden signing them two high-quality players in the space of like a day. All of a sudden, the mood just lifted, even though one of them's obviously out at the moment. No, no I'd, I'd, I think it'd be very difficult to stop us, if I'm honest, if you're looking at what's happened so far. But, you know... It's very early yet. Teams have dips, you know. I, I expected us to have a dip last season, never came, but it might do this year. Yeah, but at the minute, no, things are obviously good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's safe to say they're good so far. Given the start we've had as well, it's quite a difficult start with Leeds' first game. Yeah. People have been buoyed, and then Chelsea away and Arsenal. It was a bit of a litmus test early on. It was difficult, and we've come through it with, with all nine points, so... Yeah, it's hard not to be confident, like I say. Yeah, I mean, Villa away. I mean, doesn't I mean Villa away, then the derby against Everton away, then Sheffield United and West Ham at home. So definitely an easier running, but also some potential banana skins there as well. So I think Villa, Villa's tough on the weekend. They've started really well. Mm, definitely, yeah. 
I mean, only played one game less, but still a 100% record so far. Yes. And they've got some good players. Signed Barkley on loan from Chelsea, which, Alex, I'm aware I've been, I'm aware I've been ignoring you all, all, all conversations so far, but we haven't really had a slot with these two with their teams. But hmm. I suppose now we brought it up. Ross Barkley at Chelsea, um, uh, at Villa from Chelsea, excuse me, on loan. What do you make of that move as a Chelsea fan? Um, like, yeah, there's a lot of people that will have sort of one opinion over the other in terms of they don't necessarily feel Barkley's good enough to be a Chelsea player or he's not good enough to sort of play perhaps as, I mean, to say he plays often would be an exaggeration, but to play as much as he does, I don't think a lot of people will agree with it. He's one of those players that you've you've always sort of thought, you know, why have we spent £30 million on him on the final day of a January transfer window? And yeah, he's never really done what he could do whilst at Everton. So it's, I think it's a good move. I think, you know, it'll obviously give him the game time because I can imagine it'll be probably him, McGinn and Grealish. But yeah, as a Chelsea fan, I, I, to be honest, I don't think he'll be missed that much. Yeah, probably not. Although you look like you could probably use. I mean, we'll, we'll we might as well get onto this now that we're we've got we've got to it got to it in a roundabout way. But you could be using as many you know extra help as you could get at the moment because West Brom away three nil down managed to pull it back to three three, which I thought was ironic was you know all the signings that you've made and it was Mount Abraham and. Mm. Was it Hudson and Dory who got the third? So you've got three academy players right there who scored the goals <laughs> to get you back into the game, which I thought was quite funny. And then obviously the cup last night against Spurs, 1-1 in the end and going out on penalties. So it's been a rough couple of weeks for you, to say the least. Yeah, um, you know, it's you, you have to take the rough with the smooth in terms of hopefully that things will pick up. You know, going back to the West Brom game, we were victims of our own fault. You know, it was three stupid mistakes to begin with. I think Alonso made two of them. And he's basically been told he will never... Well, I don't know if he'll never play again, but it's basically in sort of no uncertain terms. It's been like, you are a problem. And then, like you say, it was the youth products that bailed us out. But... Part of me feels like they're the ones now that potentially have something they need to prove, although they did extremely well last year. And I'm more than happy with them playing on a regular basis. But I feel like with the big signings that we've made, those players are the ones that are more under pressure than anybody else. Because it's it's going to be that sort of old thing where we've bought players to try and win the league or try and at least compete for the title, which, I, you know, it's not going to happen this year, I don't think, after the start we've had. But obviously looking towards the future, whereas, you know, I'll be the first person to admit last year I was championing the fact that we'd use young players, but probably because we had no transfer ban. Um, yeah, I think that's getting clearer to see now that you've gone two years without spending and also sold your best player for about £100 million in that time. Yeah, you know, I guess I've... It is what it is, and I'll be the first person to admit, you know, football fans can be a fickle bunch, and I can be one, definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, all you need to do is look at my Twitter feed of any given key word. You can see how fickle I've been. Most notably, Roy Hodgson. You can see how much my opinion has fluctuated of him over the past, even the past year, really. So I'm in no position to judge. But, I mean, Dan and Johnny, as, I mean, we we've, we talked about... I mean, we've whacked Liverpool over Chelsea and their signings, um, of course, and we've also talked about how much pressure that puts on Frank Lampard. I suppose, do you feel, with the start that they've made and perhaps the 
we'll say we'll say inexperience that Lampard has in this sort of situation. Do you sort of feel more relaxed about Chelsea with him in charge? It's a very good question, that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they will improve Chelsea. I mean, against West Brom, the first half. I mean, the first half hour, they were an absolute disgrace. But, I mean, they did, they did improve in the second half. I think Lampard, mate, yeah, a little bit of experience, maybe. You know, he hasn't been a, 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 he's at Derby last year, of course. But, he, um, yeah, a bit of inexperience. I mean, I, I did like his little bit of banter with Jose Mourinho last night, which was quite amusing. But, yeah, I think yeah, Chelsea, they'll only improve because they've, they've, got, they've got some fantastic players in that, in that team. But, yeah... I, are they a soft touch at the moment? They could be a little bit. I think they've got too, maybe too many stars at the moment, but I think they'll be all right in the end. My, Lampard's making a real habit of them touchline rows, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, I was going to... I mean, I mean we talked well, I talked last week about how much of a likeable character Frank Lampard was, but I mean, that's the second week in a row now. He does seem... I don't know if you saw as well against against Barnsley as well, when they won, I think it was 5-0 they won in the end. He was mm. just sitting on the touchline laughing with like the fourth or fifth goal went in. It's like, I mean, come on. Like, that's really... You were a championship manager not too long ago. That's really unprofessional. Yeah, really odd. Like, I, I get he was a fantastic player, but that's almost done now, in a way. Like, I don't know this because we haven't seen it really yet. I'm not a massive Scottish football lover. But I imagine Gerrard's not taking his player power if you like into his management they're, they're different careers if that, if that makes sense Lampard seems to be holding on to how good a player he was and using that in some sort of like arrogant powerful manager way and it's, it's a different thing altogether now because having to go at Mourinho last night who was his manager for a lot of his career was really odd I thought but in terms of Chelsea more generally uh, it's a really odd situation at the minute because they've signed fantastically well in terms of individuals. But there was always a thing for me when they were signing them all week after week, it seemed, that are they going a little bit over the top in terms of they're just throwing a lot of high-quality players at a wall and hoping that they stick? And without really sitting down and thinking, right, we need X, Y, Z for these positions? Because they already had Pulisic, um, Hudson-Odoi, um, Mason Mount in these attacking midfield positions and then he went and signed Zayech, Werner and Havertz who all will play in a similar role it seems like they just filled the, the squad with quality and hoping it works a little bit whereas if you look at to go back to Liverpool if you look at what Klopp's done in his tenure it's been season by season we need to improve that position and then and then that position and then he's gone and got one at a time if that makes sense Listen, it might well work, and they're very good players, all of them. So who's, you know, who am I to say in six months' time Chelsea aren't, you know, on our tails or even ahead of us in the league? But there's definitely an element of just throwing money at, at very good players, but without any real strategy. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does feel like. It, it doesn't really feel like there's a cohesive plan at Chelsea, if that makes sense. Like, it's very much just... I mean, it, there is in the sense that they've got players that they need for their positions. But in terms of who they... Who, in terms of how they function as a team and who they actually are to get them, it doesn't feel like... It feels like they've just sort of bought the biggest names they can in a lot yeah. of instances. I mean, like Thiago Silva on a free, for instance. Mm. Not only that, I think they, they've already had to move Havertz around a lot to try and find a position. So it was like, if you sign someone as good as Kai Havertz, you must know where you're going to play him. I've noticed they moved Werner as well last night to like to try and get more out of him. And again, it's for, you spent 50 million, 150 million on the pair of them. You must have some sort of plan in mind as to what they're going to be when they arrive. And I'm not sure Lampard has that yet. And that might be an experience. It might be 
a lack of quality because you know he, he got a free pass last season because of you know the transfer situation. Even though I think the transfer ban is a bit of a myth because they signed two players during it, and and they got to use youngsters. It was all very good, and they got fourth, even though they're high quality youngsters. But yeah, this season I don't know if he's going to last the season if he carries on. Um, I mean, yeah, I obviously share that sort of same sentiment in terms of Abramovich doesn't hang around when no. making decisions. I do think he'll get a bit more time because, you know, like you sort of alluded to earlier, he is a Chelsea legend star. Yeah. But then don't get me wrong, Di Matteo was a legend at one point and he got sacked after winning Champions League. But... Like, I think part of the reason with Chelsea and these players playing in so many positions, I don't think Frank knows his best 11. I don't think he's also not had the opportunity to have all of the players on the field in terms of who we've signed. You know, Zayech still hasn't made his debut. Chilwell's only played a couple of cup games in... And he's not lasted the full game because I think he's still suffering with this ankle problem he picked up at Leicester. But Chelsea just remind me of this sort of... They turn up when they want to turn up. They don't turn up from the beginning, though. Like, they, there's a sort of a lack of a, an urgency at times. And whether this is just something that's built into Chelsea's sort of culture and they're like, OK, we can do what we want sort of thing. But, you know, like West Brom's the prime example. Or even Brighton. Like, I know we won 3-1, but we didn't deserve to win 3-1. Same with West Brom, you know, if we didn't make those mistakes, then maybe we would have coasted through. But the vast majority of people would have expected a three-point, you know, win. Um, but it, it took some form of urgency. It's just the fact that throughout 90 minutes, we don't have the urgency, which I think kills us off. Yeah, it's definitely concerning from a Chelsea perspective, but also something you think could potentially pick up especially if results start going the right way um you know you get a bit of luck and then all of a sudden the mood lifts and then you can start getting a bit of momentum speaking of which we mentioned it briefly but playing palace on the weekend a nice easy game for you lot <laughs> oh it's a bit of a bogey side isn't it yeah we haven't won i think you've won like the last four or something against us i think i think actually the last time we beat you was was roy hodgson's first win the 2-1 back in 2017 now i think it was yeah, that's. I think that was the last time we won. I think you've won every single one since then. Although there have been some close games, like the last one at Selhurst particularly. I thought that had our game management been a little bit better, then I think your defence was there for the taking. But yeah, I think I think we've definitely got the players to hit you on the break. I think that's what we will try and do. And I think your defence is there to be got at. But obviously, uh, Batshuayi is ineligible because he's on loan. And so we, the far, we probably won't have as much firepower as we'd like. And, and also, obviously, Chelsea's attack worries me. As good as defensively as we've been, I think... You know, Verda in particular is the sort of player that can catch us out. Uh, yeah. So I think it'll be it'll be a good contest, but I, I just sort of, like, a bit like United, even though we won that game, I, I expected them to win and they didn't. But I am expecting Chelsea to probably win as well, although I'm less confident they will win or will will lose, excuse, excuse me, but they probably will now I've said it. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, for me, speaking, like, as a Chelsea fan in terms of these sort of, I don't want to use the term smaller, but like London derbies that aren't as big as, say, the Arsenal's and Spurs. Mm. You know, no disrespect to West Ham or Palace or, well, Fulham. But they always seem to have some form of, like, scariness to them because you expect to win, but then I think you take it for granted and then you see your team... Everything to lose, isn't it? Yeah, it, like there is more to lose than to win out of these games as such. Like I know, obviously, three points is 
you know the, the ultimate aim but you do feel like oh if you lose that or you only if you come away with a draw you feel a bit disappointed so yeah Palace is one where I always sort of look at it and think oh you know anything can sort of happen in this particular game um but just you mentioned Werner I think he's probably the only sort of player I know he looked out of sorts yesterday but in the Premier League, he's the, the one new signing that we've had that actually looks set to sort of do well this season. You know, he's he's had a fast start. I think he's won two, well, both our penalties. I know we missed ours against Liverpool, but, you know, he's, he's getting in the right areas. And then he obviously scored against Spurs last night. So hopefully he just continues. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game personally. And even if we don't win, even if we lose, we're still on six points after four games, which is a lot more than I was expecting, certainly. Although it does put more pressure going into the Brighton game. But speaking of Palace and Brighton, I'm sort of going to merge three segments in one here because they all really revolve around the same thing. So I've gone for... So we've got the Palace-Everton game of ours, which we lost 2-1 to Everton. We've got the Brighton-Man United game, which is going to be my sort of game of the week uh, nomination. And we've also... And the controversy surrounding both of those two is VAR, and in particular, the new handball rule. So, you know, two... You know, very controversial penalties given for handball or not given in Brighton's case, as they felt, you know, handballs should have been given for them. And then in the Brighton game as well, I mean, the penalty, the, the winning penalty in the end was given after the final whistle had actually been blown, even with Brighton scoring a 95th minute equaliser. So, I mean, it was just, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Johnny, I mean, I think you were probably the most vocal about it on Twitter, although I'm sure all of us were was saying a lot I mean it's the one that stands out for me really is, is the Man United penalty because it was after the final whistle was blown I understand the instant was before it was blown and that's obviously what was given but I, I just think it sets a very dangerous precedent like you know I mean how how long if they go back if the if you know there's it's five minutes after the game and then they spot something on the replays can they go back and give a decision then or give a red card or whatever like it's it's mental yeah I mean <laughs> It was it was handball um, by Neil Mopai, and quite frankly, um, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Neil Mopai. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you don't. All his little crybaby celebrations he does. Yeah, I'm not, it was handball, and and um, I've had a Fergie time, but after the final whistle time, it's a completely new one to me. With that game, the VAR kind of ruined it for me because Brighton, well, should have had another penalty. To be fair, Connolly got brought down by Paul Pogba. The referee gave a penalty, and then he he's overruled it, and I've just. It's clearly a penalty. I don't understand how how it can't be given. It's just, it, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm fed up with VAR. I'm abs- I'm just. It's got to the point now. It's actually making me fall out of love with football. VAR. It's actually beginning to piss me off <laughs> a little bit because it just it just it's ruining the game. You know, you celebrate a goal or a penalty and then oh, is it? And it's just oh, and the Palace handball as well. That's a, no, we'll get back to that in a minute. It's just a joke, VAR. It was handball by Mopai. It was, but um, they should have had two penalties, Brighton. It's just a boat stonewall penalty by by Pogba and Connolly, and it's just it just mystifies me. And I've I've, I've just I've had enough. <laughs> I've actually had enough of VAR. Really have. Is it VAR or is it IFAB? I don't know what the rules are now. We don't know anymore because IFAB or FIFA got hold of it now, and it's just you know if it's it's, it's clearly ref has gone over and they're still making the wrong decisions. That's what I don't understand. It's like they they're making the correct decision, they're looking at VAR. And they're going, actually, I've made a mistake. You're like, just go with your decision in the first place. If that's what you're thinking originally, just give it. It's just a joke. It really is. And um, I, I do have sympathy for Brighton because they hit the bar five times. I know George probably doesn't have anything to do with Brighton. <laughs> 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 I'm sure you had a little giggle to yourself. But, uh, 
honestly, it's just it's it's a joke. It really is. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a great game of football for the neutral. Don't get me wrong. I thought Brighton was superb, and they how they lost the game is um, I'll, I'll be gutted if I was a Brighton fan. But yeah, VARs. Yeah, I'm going to get it VAR. The referees are just following the rules, but it's just it's a joke. It's just a joke. Yeah, I mean, for the Palace game, I honestly don't know what on earth is Joel Ward supposed to do with his hand. Like, he's literally, he's just he's just leaving it dragged out behind his arm as he's moving. Like, you know, it's it's just like, I mean, it's 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 literally about, it's God forbid we take context into account when looking at a handball. If it's like, I understand you're not allowed to use your hand. That's the whole point of the game. But you have to like, sometimes you just can't help it. And you do have to, especially when you're jumping, you know, a lot of the hands hit the ball when they're jumping. You do have to raise your arms up to jump so it's like as long as it's not too high then like I, I i get what you mean like it's decision and the thing is it was a genuinely good game as well it was one one before that and both teams were looking very good and they just killed all momentum off that it totally ruined the game in my opinion alongside some some of roy hodgson's manager uh, changes i won't lie uh why he took essay off as early as he did i don't know but regardless i don't think that it is just a shame and obviously you know it, 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 did, it did cost us the game i thought as good as everton were and I just feel like, and then there was even, it's even been announced, you know, I think a couple of days ago that they're going to be, they're going to be much more lenient on the handball rule. They're actually going to take context into account with making the decisions, which I mean, at least that's good. But, you know, it's, it just shows how ridiculous the rules were in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like a couple weeks ago, Arsenal West Ham, I mean, how Gabriel is not, it's not, it's not handball. I mean, you know, you give that, not give that and you give Joel Ward, I mean, he literally cannot move his arm out of the way. He hasn't even gone, he's just... Well, there was two, wasn't there? Both went to VAR, both against Joel Ward. Both were, one wasn't given, one was. And they both were an handball. You just can't move his arm out of the way. It's just... It's, I, I mean, it, all, it all comes back to that consistency argument doesn't it it's all about if you're going to give if you're going to give one you've got to give all of them and they're not giving all of them same with same with Mane's red card it's not necessarily that he should have been sent off it's that players have been sent off for that or even worse than that or even less than that before so it's like I understand it's you know I understand it's different referees it's looking at different circumstances so of course there's going to be some inconsistency but you know it's it's got to be better than that at the same time because and again, it does come down to the referees. It does come down to the officials because the technology is only there as a tool. And if the people that are supposed to use the tool aren't using it properly, then it sort of falls apart. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and the same as the um, like Kai Havertz for the Chelsea's third goal against West Brom. I mean, it's come off his arm. I don't think it's handball. But surely, I mean, how can you not give that one? But then you give it against Joel Ward for handball. It's just the, the rules. I mean, Warhol's hit nail on the head on Saturday afternoon. He said, you know, if you, if you get if you gain an advantage. In any way, then yes, yeah, handball. But if you just come off, come comes off your arm by mistake, it can't be handball. It's just, just ridiculous. Yeah, people slating Roy for not saying the same against Man United last week when we won. It's like he did say it. He said it right after the match. He didn't think it was a penalty. No, people clearly weren't paying attention. They just wanted to have a dig at him. But yeah, moving on to the actual games. I mean, I don't really need to say that much more about Palace. I thought we played well. I thought we mashed Everton for a lot of it, and I think we were. I think if we were just a little bit more urgent in attack, then we maybe could have gone on to get an equaliser, maybe even a winner. But that wasn't to be. Obviously, we'll move on from... We won't mention your pal, Hammers, Dan. But uh, yeah. Everton, def- <laughs> Everton definitely going strong. Three wins from three. And as for Brighton Man United, um, I mean, you know, we talked about the Chelsea game with them before. That was more there was more individual mistakes, though, that led to them losing that game or just free goals in Reese James's case. But this time they can feel a lot more robbed. And United, it's very much papering over the cracks for them. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. As opposed to the results or even the VAR situation, like that completely, completely papers over massive cracks 
from that performance. They were they were terrible. You know, Brighton have been good to be fair to start the season. I know you don't want to hear it, George, but they have been good. Um, as long as they're not winning, I don't care how well they play. <laughs> but yeah, um, just to just to very quickly go back, Johnny mentioned there with the VAR situation about refs going over and looking. I've noticed a trend that if the the the, the monitor things new in terms of the refs going to have a look in this country, and every time they've been told to go and have a look, they've changed the decision. It's almost as if because the the VAR referee is telling them to look at something, they think, oh, I've done something wrong. And that they've almost almost hundred percent of the time so far when they've been looked at their own thing, they've reversed it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a worrying trend. But yeah, um, in terms of the performances, I think Palace probably deserves a draw against Everton. And United were terrible. Absolutely terrible again. Um and I don't uh, I still can't get my head around the whole debate about putting someone with pace next to Jaime Maguire. I still can't understand how that fixes it. Because I've mentioned it before, this is Premier League football. They're not just going to keep running at the quick lad and going, oh, he's too quick. They're going to run at Jaime Maguire instead. And then you've got the same problem anyway. He can't turn. He hasn't got a, He's not very quick at turning. So if he gets turned, there's trouble. And Premier League football, certainly at the upper echelons of the Premier League, are just going to keep going at him and keep getting him to turn. And there's an issue. They probably need two centre-halves if they're going to get where they want to be, not one. And the VAR, as you said, Dan, they, they, they go over and look at the, the monitor, but they always show the replay in slow motion. If you show yeah. it in mean, slow motion, it looks bad. But it, why don't they, they see it in real time? And they go, actually, no, it can't be handball. But they always show it in slow motion, so it always yeah. looks... Joel Ward, yeah. slow motion, it looks like handball. I mean, the funny thing that you've, you've mentioned that, Dan, because Kevin Friend even said he looked at it and he didn't think it was a penalty. But I was like, well, why'd you give it? You're clearly <laughs> being pressured by the monitor. He was being over, told to look at the monitor. He was being pressured by the decision being made by the people. But it's like, sometimes, as much as referees do get it wrong sometimes, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do know better. So it's like, I mean, I just think it's mental. And I'm, you know, this conversation pretty much sums up football conversations nowadays. As much as we want to talk about the games and the football, it always comes back to the blooming refereeing decisions. So... <laughs> I suppose that's fitting enough, but we will move, we will try and move on. I've already given my game of the day, so we'll go on to you, Alex, because I mean, let's be let's face it, we're spoiled for choice this week, especially in the Premier League. Yeah, um, I, I did want to give an honourable mention to a game I saw in Germany. I mean, I didn't really watch it, so I'm going based more on the scoreline. But Bayern Munich got thumped. Um, yeah, I saw that by Hoffenheim with. Kramaric, the old Leicester player who couldn't hit a barn door, now scoring bags of goals for Hoffenheim. But no, the, the main game that I was going to choose to try and go away from the obvious was the West Ham Wolves game. So obviously the Hammers before they played Wolves had struggled badly. I think they they hadn't won in the last four or five meetings that were at um, London Stadium and they hadn't scored a goal prior to um, the Saturday, Sunday, Sunday game. So, you know, to come away with a 4-0 victory was rather surprising, to say the least, because I thought it would be the Portuguese side to win, perfectly honest. But, yeah, I mean, Jared Bowen got a double. He's starting to sort of look like the player that they bought from Hull for the sort of big money they spent. I can't quite remember how much it was now, but I know it was... It looked quite big at the time. And then the fact that Haller actually got a Premier League goal for the first time in God knows how long. 
Um, and you could see everyone at the end of the game, or when he scored, the celebrations, everyone was sort of really happy for him to have actually been able to get that goal. Yeah, I was obviously impressed with West Ham on Sunday night. I thought they played superbly. I mean, Wolves, they're a good side, but they were all over the place, weren't they, on Sunday? Yeah, but just, I don't know what it was. Just an off day or West Ham were playing as potentially as well as they can. You know, there this, this should have been some excitement about them a couple of years ago, but things just never really lifted off. Yeah, West Ham hadn't scored. Fun fact, West Ham hadn't scored a single goal against Wolves in their four games since they've been promoted. So, and then they make up for that by scoring four in one. So, there you go. It was a very, it was a very un-West Ham performance. And a very, very un-Wolves performance, I'll be honest. I think they've had one of the better windows in the league. All right, they let Doherty go for silly money, in my opinion. But, they think they've bought well with that. Um, and I think that, you know, they had, they do have a real chance of making top four, in my opinion, or at least they did before this game, but this is going to down, this is going to put, as as soon as you rob them of their, of their striker for 30 million, this is going to be, this is, it's going to be, make things a lot harder for them. Yeah, it was a really, it was definitely a good inclusion for this, because it was such a strange result, one I did not see coming. I think I've mentioned Wolves a few times on here, I'm a big advocate of Wolves, I like them a lot. So much so that um, West Ham, we all know how poor they've been prior to this. It was really odd. Yeah, I just like did 100% did not see it. it, it touched on the off night. It could have been an off night for Wolves. I think it more reflects the strange results we might get at the minute with with the strange circumstances in terms of no fans and things things along them lines. I think we might get the odd result like this that we just don't see coming. Teams are a bit flat at times potentially. But yeah, no, 100%, 100% weird one, that. Yeah, considering I, I think I tipped Wolves for top four, or top six at least, early on. And so for them to go to West Ham and get hammered is a bit of a, pardon the pun, is um is a shock. Yeah, I mean, I mean, quick nod to Hoffenheim as well. Yeah, I'm just glad to see Bayern lose, to be honest with you. <laughs> Make it a bit more interesting. Um, and, they got battered as well. Well, exactly, yeah. And Kramerich, like Alex said... It's just one of those things, like, you know, we say it with players all the time, it's just sometimes it just doesn't work out at certain clubs. And for Leicester, to be fair, I think they're probably, I don't think they're missing him too much right now. So I'm sure there might be a little guy they didn't do it for them. But at the same time, like, you know, they seem to have coped without him as well. Well, um, Bayern, Bayern want to sign him now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that could, that could be interesting. It's a bit like, it reminds me a bit, a little bit when, um, with Norwich, when they were relegated to League One, lost 7-1 to Paul Lambert's Colchester on the first game of the season. Then they take, then they nick him as manager, and then he gets them promoted twice in a row. Yeah, Reminds me a little bit of that. If someone beats you, just sign what made them beat you. <laughs> yeah. If you can't, if you can't beat them and all that. It's yeah. the old style football manager, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> one player is a wonder game against you. It's like, right, I'm buying him. Yeah. It won't happen next time, then, will it? <laughs> yeah. It's one way. It's one way to do it. So, yeah, we'll move on to you, Dan. Uh, what game have you gone for? Uh, I've been waiting for this. Manchester City 2, Leicester City 5. <laughs> yeah, um, there was only going to be one answer. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what, mate? I thought City started the game really well. They dictated play. They dominated um, possession. They were the best. Brilliant goal from Morris as well. Yeah, brilliant goal. Yeah, and it, it looked like being somewhat of a possession. But as the half wore on... I thought, you know what, if Leicester can just get it right with not the final ball, but the ball before the final ball, they're in here because City's defence is all over the place. Like, it's wide open. 
And then as the game wore on, they started getting it right. And then all of a sudden, they just they tore them apart, didn't they? You know what I mean? And then the irony behind City getting hammered for five goals at home, and then 48 hours later, Guardiola goes and signs someone for 60 million to play centre-half is, is incredible. Yeah, I mean, Man City have spent, was it, £400 million on defenders alone, and they're conceding five against Leicester. I Absolute checkbook manager, that man. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, do you not think it was, in sort of a, we were talking about Guardiola arrogance before, and things like the Champions League especially, I mean, against Leon last year. Do you mm. think it was just part of that shining through? They got the goals like, yeah, just sort of sit back, chill out, we'll thrash these guys. Like, you can't do that against Leicester especially. No, you can't, and Leicester have been really good, and I didn't mention Leicester there in a positive way, and I should have done, because they were brilliant, and they deserved to win. And there's definitely a little bit of average. Do you know what? I think not so much in performances, but the arrogance seems to come from Guardiola in terms of the way he sets his teams up prior yeah. to the game. It's like, we don't need to particularly work on defending, because we're just better at football than you, which they are most of the time. But this is the Premier League. Like, teams are gonna... Challenger, like they've got like, like Harvey Barnes, Jamie Jamie Vardy, we all seen. They're gonna make things difficult. He's not at Barcelona anymore, where he played Granada, and they're not gonna challenge the Barcelona defenders. You have to be good defending as well. And yeah, I do think there's a little bit of naivety almost in the way Guardiola sets up. And the one thing that fills me with confidence in terms of Liverpool is that we're the most rounded team at the minute. City have probably got the best attacking players in the league which yeah they probably have but in terms of defensively even with this Ruben Diaz fellow they've signed they're miles away yeah I mean it's in terms of the league I can't see anyone other than City pushing Liverpool and if they're going to be like this then obviously it's good news for yourself but for us neutrals it is going to make it a bit of a bit of a one-team league which I'm not hoping for personally because obviously everyone loves competition loves making it more interesting but um, as for Leicester I mean, they. I honestly, I thought they were going to struggle after the with the end they had to last season, but they've mm-hmm. picked exact picked up where they left off before Christmas, really, right, before the new year. It. Yeah. So, and I think the signings they're making as well. Oh, what's the name? So Fafana is the one that they're well, signing from. Fafana, yeah. Yeah, him. Yeah, from Germany yeah, I mean, as well. Um, Castagne, he's been. Castagne, yeah, we were linked with him last window, I think it was. Was out of our price range in the end, unfortunately, as a replacement for Wambasaka. Yeah, he's done great for them. And I mean, he's, he's sort of a replacement for the Chilwell in the sense that Justin's now moved to the other side. And it's looked very good there. So they've essentially replaced him with someone on the other side, which is, I mean, that's just their. They're such a they're such a brilliantly run club, Leicester. Honestly, I think they're a model to clubs like Palace. And I'm glad to see we are trying to move in that direction, even if we're nowhere near as far as they are yet. But yeah, John, that just leaves you, Johnny. Uh, I've gone for a game. It's not. It wasn't the best game of the weekend, but it had a lot. Of, it had a few talking points. Now that, that was Burnley nil, Southampton won. And I just there's a few instances in that game. I mean, Gineppo, how he didn't get red carded for the blatant elbow is an absolute mystery to me. I mean, he's, he's gone and Phil Barsley and cut his ear, and how he's not got red cards is an absolute well, don't get it. And uh, Chris Wood had a blatant penalty that wasn't given, and it's a blatant push in the back. And back felt, to the decisions, straight on. You've got one thing on your mind tonight. You've come here with a mission. <laughs> No, I mean, Gineppo, he's, he's a blatant elbow. And I don't understand how the referee hasn't, hasn't even booked him. He's not even booked him. You know, it's an elbow. And I know you, I know you can't jump without your elbow. You're not, you can't, you're, not, you're not a penguin. But it's an elbow in the face. And how it's not even a yellow card or even been looked at is a, is a mystery. And the penalty Chris should have had is a push in the back. And if it's, out, if it's outside the box, it's a free kick. So why is it any different to, uh, 
to a penalty. I don't know. As much as I like Sean Dyche getting the ump, because when he gets the ump, he sounds even more angry than normal. But yeah, I, I felt so for Burnley, to be fair. They had a goal disallowed, didn't they? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best game, but they had a lot of talking points. And I'll always mention Spurs, but I'll, I'll talk about, about them later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we might have spoiled your your segment coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about Burnley last week, and I think they probably will be in for another relegation battle. But I do back them to stay up simply because Sean Dyche just always seems to do it with them. I think it's, you know, great manager who I definitely rate, um, as I'm sure you know. Uh, but as for Southampton, big win for them. A clean sheet, probably the most crucial thing after that battering from Spurs last week. So, yeah. Yeah, they needed that win, didn't they? And there were some strange decisions in that. I think I can predict what Johnny's left or laugh that's going to be. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, they needed that win, like I say, Southampton. I was really surprised how poorly they'd started, to be honest with you. So no surprise to see them win, even if it wasn't the most convincing of performances. Yeah. No, well, we'll move on to that. We'll move on to the Let's All Laugh At. And before we get into John Lynch, I'm just going to get mine out of the way early because it's very obvious. Brighton, I've gone for. I appreciate they play well against Man United, but they did lose 3-2 to a goal after the final whistle had blown, after scoring a, a 95th minute equaliser as well. Uh, they hit the post about 24 times. And Neil Mopar as well, uh, which I'm sure Johnny will join me in this one, you know, shushing an empty, empty away end. Similar to how we, oh sorry, you know, they're doing the crying face. He, I'm thinking of Palace where he shushed the family stand. And then didn't, neither of those games he went on to win. So he's not just a shithouse. He's not even a good shithouse. He's just, <laughs> and it's just so, it's just so funny to watch, you know, as much as, and it makes our win against United look even more impressive as well that we can actually go there and win and Brighton can't even do it it's just little things like that you know little things mm. uh, <laughs> but yeah well we'll go to you Johnny because now okay it's your turn to laugh at your rivals <laughs> well I mean it's, it is Spurs I'm, I'm gonna laugh at them. but I'm actually more gonna laugh at Jose Mourinho for what he said in his, pre, his pre-match interviews and about VAR or referees don't like teams with no history it made me laugh yeah. but basically just saying Spurs have got no history it's just like, yeah, you're really bang on there, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, what, what a strange thing to say. I mean, what a way to endear yourself to fans. Uh, yeah, we're a team with no history. Yeah, it made me laugh. And of course, Eric Dyer's handball, which was never handball. As much as I found it very amusing, it wasn't handball. But it's first. So who cares? It's phone more penalty, if you ask me. Yep. Uh, so hopefully you guys have done a bit more well we'll say more unpredictable. But we'll start with you, Alex. Uh, what have you gone for? Yeah, I mean I, I find quite a few, whether it's just me trying to, I find a lot of things funny and, you know, I don't really care too much, but I've got hey, a few. More, more I, think, merrier. I mean, one was Mourinho and his goalposts. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, it's more funny that the fact that it actually happened than him complaining about it, because, yeah, you'd be in any right mind to complain about it, but... Yeah, it was just ridiculous because I think there was also a, a passing comment about um, Man United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer about, you know, needing a 22-yard box, not an 18-yard box. But another one that sort of I enjoyed was the Roy Keane and Jurgen Klopp. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but on Monday night, Jurgen Klopp basically shut down Roy Keane. One of the few men who can get away with saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it just came across like, you know, fair play for someone actually sort of sticking up against a pundit because these pundits can sometimes feel as if they're, they're, you know, not necessarily untouchable, but like, you know, Patrice Everett obviously found out the other week. But, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, some of them feel like they can say what they, whatever they want. You know, it's a case of, oh, say what you really mean but don't feel like there's any sort of repercussion. 
So like, I was quite, you know, I I might not like Liverpool, but I like Jurgen Klopp. And the way he comes across is brilliant because he was like, oh yeah, I'll definitely listen to the whole thing, you know. So that that made me tickle. But there was two that I saw today. I mean, a Sky Sports reporter said that Osama oh, bid was basically going to <laughs> Man United when he meant Dembele. So I can't imagine Man United signing Osama bin Laden anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. You know, for obvious reasons. But also the Newcastle Newport game that happened earlier, John Joe Shelby. Yeah. So you you mentioned Malpe doing his celebrations. Shelby decided to cup his ear and shush the empty Newport stand, which I'm not being funny. It's a League Two club. The fact that they've got no, there's no fans obviously in attendance at the minute. But you're doing it at a League Two club in the 87th minute when you should have probably comfortably won that game. It's just laughable, really. Yeah. Well, on the Newport, it's funny you mentioned Shelby. I mean, you've got a former England international there playing against Newport. Their midfielder Twine, he was got who bossed him in the midfield. He was on loan at Chippenham Town last season and now he's playing against former England international John Joe Shell when he's showing it up I mean yes Newcastle won on penalties in the end but come on I mean it's very much scraping it there mm-hmm. but yeah I mean there's there's a lot in there I think that there's a lot in there um for sure and I've got more than already I mean there's a number of inappropriate jokes I can make about the uh Osama Bin Laden one but I won't because I don't I don't want to get pulled from from YouTube or Spotify <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna leave what the obvious reasons are why United won't sign him I'm intrigued by them um, <laughs> that he's no longer in existence. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good start. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if he'll terrorise the Premier League. Oh dear. Oh. Yeah, that one out. He's a bit yeah, we could probably get away with that one if for taste, if not quality. <laughs> um, but yeah, but but as for the as for the Roy Keane and Jurgen Klopp one, I'm interested to get your thoughts on that, Dan, because given. Roy Keane's playing career. I'm sure that was one the exchange you enjoyed immensely. Yeah, I loved it. Roy Keane pure went into his shell. He didn't like it at all. It's an interesting point from Alex as well because I don't think the pundits know that the managers could hear anything they're saying at that time. It's, I think he made it like as a bit of a throwaway comment, thinking, oh, "No one, will, he won't hear it, and by the time anyone does, it'll be too late." And obviously Klopp was stood waiting and heard everything that was said in the build-up. And that's when he called him out on it. And Roy Keane was, oh, he, he panicked, I think, a little bit. It was brilliant. And Klopp was right. And, and he was very articulate in the way he came across. He was like, if I haven't heard it right, I apologise. But did I hear you say it was sloppy? And, and I'll be honest, it was sloppy, the goal. <laughs> the goal was sloppy. But in everything else he said, Klopp was right about the performance. And he was right to call Keane out on it. And Keane, Keane flapped it, which was brilliant. Yeah, I do think the pundits, because in the day, they're, they're just they're just like us, they're, but they get paid for it. You know, their, their opinion is no worth any more than our opinions. It's just they get paid for it. You know, I mean, and it's good to see Klopp call him out, really, because as I say, I don't I don't like working anyway, to be honest. And it's good to see him get called out and shut up for a change, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that just leaves you then, Dan. I'm interested to see what you've picked. Well, I've already had Man City as like a more generalisation, so I'm gonna be a bit more specific. Um. Benfica manager, I'm going to say it's Jorge Jesus or Jorge Jesus, has said, so they've obviously sold Ruben Diaz to Man City, and the Benfica manager has said that he's left a bigger club, they're only smaller financially, and I love that, because, <laughs> because he's so right. 
<laughs> of course you love that. <laughs> Benfica. Oh, Benfica. Yeah, they probably are on par with Man City historically. And like going back down the years in terms of European football, they're probably a bigger club than Man City. It's only because Man City now have all this money and power that they're not. So yeah, mine is Man City, but it's more based on the Benfica manager's comments that Diaz has left a bigger club, but the club has gone to a bigger financially. And yeah, that's that's everything to me. That. So ironically, a bit like Jose Mourinho talking about his own club. Yeah. <laughs> And I, you know what, I, as we know on here, I don't like Mourinho, but I really liked what he said to Lampard last night. Was it something like, um, you weren't stood up here when you were getting beat 3-0? Yeah, so I, 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 I didn't hear it myself, but I think it was something like that. Yeah, I love that comment. Um, and I don't like Mourinho at all, as we know, but that's a very funny thing to say. Yeah, well, 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 I've said in the past, I've said before on this show that I think Mourinho can be a class act when he wants to be. I think that was one of those instances. But I mean, I'm with you. I mean, there's so many Palace fans, particularly on social media, clamouring for Jose to be Palace manager one day, purely because you know he's, he's said great stuff about our fans before. To be fair to him, mm. um, and obviously the caliber, we've never had anyone of that caliber before, um, apart from I guess Frank De Boer. But I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure you could call him at the same. Even with this, with Mourinho's collapse now, I'm not even sure you could ever say they were in the same league, especially not now. Watch him go and win the Euros with Holland now but there you go uh, but yeah no not me personally I think that I just think his style of management as well he's he's an awful man manager I feel like and most, yeah. with most players anyway like, no exactly exactly um Deli Ali and you know you could probably name tons of players down the line um Luke Shaw as well and the Man United and I feel like we as as a palace as a squad are players that thrive sort of you know managers putting their arms around them and you know being being mentors in that sense and that's why the players didn't take so well to Frank De Boas because he was a self-centered prick who wanted to play his total football that's not what the players want they want to they want someone who's actually going to you know they want someone who they can respect and look up to and it's all about that sort of the dressing room is very important at Palace I feel like we've got one of the best in the league in my opinion and I feel like the manager is a big part of that and I just don't think Mourinho would fit that even if he did maybe would maybe have a couple of years and might even get a trophy which to be fair I'd love it if he could get a trophy I'd, I'd thank him for that but i i definitely don't think would end well with us and no, no potentially really no exactly and i think the, the 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 mess that he'd leave behind would potentially be too big to sweep up i mean look at man united right now i mean it's not that necessarily he left it behind i mean obviously they've had board troubles as well but he certainly didn't help things at all so yeah i have all those i mean honestly, i'm struggling to pick one what do you guys think i think uh, for me i think yeah yeah i think Jürgen Klopp and work in i think i did like what Jürgen Klopp said to him must admit. Yeah, I'd probably go for that one as well, to be honest. <laughs> I'm okay with that, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go then. Yeah, that's. It's. it's, it's I mean, it's like I said, it's the, it's the clash of Liverpool and Man United. It's the way that someone actually put working in this place, and it's like it is a pun as well because I get what you mean. Like sometimes, sometimes pun. I mean, there are there is genuinely good punditry out there. I mean, Gary Neville. I remember Gary Neville a couple of years mm. ago after United lost to Everton four 0 I thought that was a really good. I think he really laid into them there, and it was deserved and things like that. But sometimes you have people doing stuff like that for for the clicks, clearly, and for the views and. I'm not sure. To be fair, Roy Keane, I'm, I don't think he's the sort of person that does that just for the no. views. I mean, he just I think he's just a dick to everyone. <laughs> but it's its also nice to see, you know, it's good. To, it's just, well, I know it's nice but refreshing to see it go the other way sometimes, particularly when it's not deserved. 
but yeah that's about all, all the time we've got for this week thanks for listening to this episode be sure to drop us a like and a follow whatever platform you're on you can find us on youtube and spotify at let's all laugh at a football podcast as well as twitter at lala underscore podcast uh, be sure to check out dan's work on last word on sport extra time talk and read liverpool uh, be sure to check out life's a pitch check out uh, be sure to check out alex's work as well link in the description as always as well as our social media uh thanks to dan johnny and alex for joining me as always thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time take care